in the book of uh, Revelation, the revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. Uh, for the past two witness days, we didn't have questions. So today I thought I will not ask any questions. So there's no question today in the in our session uh, so if you have the if you have questions you can use the chat box to ask your questions uh, we are in chapter 10 i hope you all found some time to go through uh, chapter 10. <clears throat> we are studying about the seven trumpets it's almost like the seven seals that we studied uh, when we studied when the sixth seal was opened and then when they were about to open the seventh seal, in between the sixth seal and the seventh seal, we had those two visions as an interlude, as an intermission, uh, two comforting, uh, consoling, encouraging visions we had. I hope you all remember about 144,000 and a large group of people, a multitude which no one could count from every nation, language, people. I hope you remember that. We had those two comforting uh, visions before we came to the seventh seal. Now in the seven trumpets also, it's almost, it's, it's following the same pattern. We have seen up to the sixth trumpet and now we are waiting for the seventh trumpet, you know, the angel to blow the seventh trumpet the seventh angel to blow his trumpet and now again as we had that intermission between the sixth seal and the seventh seal now again we have the intermission between the sixth trumpet and the seventh trumpet now in chapter 10 till chapter 11 verse 14 you know we have that uh, interlude or we have that intermission. The seventh angel will blow his trumpet only at in chapter 11 when we come to verse 15 he will blow his trumpet. Now but there is some difference uh, between the sixth seal and the seventh seal those two comforting visions. Uh, those visions were quite comforting 144,000 uh, then we had a great multitude who couldn't be numbered. Those visions were quite comforting and encouraging. But here, between the sixth trumpet and the seventh trumpet, we have visions. It's not so smooth. It's not only comforting. You could call it as, it is sweet as well as bitter. It is not sweet alone it is not bitter alone it is it it almost it describes a message that is mingled with sweetness as well as bitterness it speaks of persecution and tribulation but it also speaks of loyalty and devotion i hope you you got a, a grasp of this uh, seventh trumpet before we come to that we have seen up to the sixth, we are coming to the seventh, before in between the sixth trumpet and the seventh trumpet. What we are seeing now, there are visions and that's what we are seeing in chapter 10. Uh, 
So we go to, uh, we have seen first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, we have finished. Now we are between the sixth and seventh. <clears throat> we are going to chapter 10, Revelation chapter 10, verse 1. Then I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven. He was robed in a cloud with a rainbow above his head. His face was like the sun and his legs were like fiery pillars. You know, this chapter begins, then I saw. The moment we see this phrase, then I saw, John is talking about a new vision, a fresh vision. So here we are starting with a fresh vision. And what did he see? He saw a mighty angel <clears throat> coming down from heaven. Now, he's coming down from heaven. This angel is different from the seven angels who are having trumpets in their hands. This angel is different. I saw another mighty angel. So he's not part of those seven angels. He's a different angel. Now, in the, in the Jewish literature, they picture a number of angels. You know, they, they almost they describe angels as, as tall as heavens. They are so tall, they could reach the highest heavens. And they also describe angels as often shining like the sun. That's what you find in um, Jewish literature. But we can also see description of the angels from the book of Daniel. In Daniel chapter 10, verses 4 to 6, again we have a description about an angel. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, the Tigris, I looked up, and there before me was a man dressed in linen with the belt of fine gold from Upas around his waist. His body was like topaz, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and his voice like the sound of a multitude. Now, <clears throat> the Jewish literature, they not only they talk about good angels, they also talk about bad angels. So both evil angels and good angels could be tall. They describe them like that. Sometimes these angels were crowned. And in this case, we hear and see in Revelation chapter 10, 1, he was robed in a cloud with a rainbow above his head, like a crown. He had a crown like a rainbow. Now, John is talking about a powerful angel. Uh, definitely all angels are not the same. They, ha they have some hierarchy in the angelic order. And John is talking about a mighty angel. Uh, and he's talking about robed in a cloud. You know, God always, when he comes, he comes in a cloud. Jesus also will come 
in a cloud. So here this angel was robed in a cloud. It talks about an angel of higher order, not an ordinary order, and a powerful angel with a rainbow above his head. <clears throat> in Revelation 4.3, we saw that, and the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby, a rainbow that shone like an emerald and circled the throne. It is God's throne. Uh, we have seen in Re Revelation chapter 4, it's God's throne. So rainbow, obviously it shows, is a powerful angel. And, and not only rainbow, being robed in a cloud also emphasizes his glory, his heavenly glory. Uh, this basically shows not only of angels' power, but also mercy, because rainbow, we all know that uh, what happened after the days of, uh, during the days of Noah. So God is a God of mercy. So this angel uh, connotes both power as well as, uh, as, well as uh, mercy. Uh, in, in Revelation 10.1, that's what we are saying. Then I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven. Okay, he's a powerful angel. Okay, he's coming down from heaven. That's also fine. He was robed in a cloud. Definitely a, an angel of a higher order with a rainbow above his head uh, pointing towards his mercy. He was a mercy, showing that he was a powerful angel. He was a merciful angel. His face was like the sun. Angels were described uh, like, uh, you know, like the sun. And his legs were like fiery pillars. Now, from where did we get this fiery pillars? Uh, for, why does it describe this angel as his legs were like fiery pillars? Now, in the ancient tradition, uh, if you read the, any article or any uh, story in the ancient literature, they always believed the world was supported by pillars. That was their understanding. The understanding we have now about our earth and the understanding they had about their earth was totally different. He was, his legs were like fiery pillars. Uh, that's the reason why we keep insisting that the Bible is not a science book. It is not at all a science book. Uh, so don't try to answer scientific questions from the Bible. So if the worlds were supported by pillars, and if you say, See, in the Bible, it's written so it is truth. No, that's not, the, that's not the way of reading the word of God. This is the understanding they had in that ancient tradition. The earth was supported by pillars. Now we move on to the next verse. He was holding a little scroll. Imagine a gigantic figure, a tall figure, and he was holding a little scroll, which lay open in his hand, he planted his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land. So you can imagine the magnitude, the size of this angel, one foot on the sea 
and one foot on the land. Uh, he was uh, he was a huge angel. Now he had a little scroll which lay open in his hand. It is no longer it is sealed, which lay open in his hand. In fact, now the time has come for us to examine what's written in the scroll because it is open. It is no longer sealed. So he was holding a little scroll which lay open in his hand. Now, you know, when we read, we will think, can there be an angel like this? One foot on the sea and another foot on the land. This is the way we read. And is it possible? Uh, what will happen to his leg, which is on the sea? Uh, how can he rest his foot on the sea? These are the questions we may entertain. But John's readers, they didn't, uh, they didn't have questions like this. When they read this, he was holding a little scroll, which lay open in his hand. He planted his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land. They thought, my goodness, if this angel is like this, Angel is, after all, a created being. If a created being can be so grand, so gigantic, then how big is my God? I stand in awe of my God. That is the way they read this book. And uh, if we don't learn to read the way they read, we will go wrong. John is writing this book to his readers, not to 21st century readers. He's writing to his readers and his readers when they read, oh my goodness, this angel, oh, this angel himself is so huge and big. Oh, then how do you describe God? Is there any way we can describe God? And they said, oh, I stand in awe of God. That's the kind of response uh, the readers had when they read these accounts. Then we go to Revelation chapter 10, verses 3 and 4, and he gave a loud shout like the roar of a lion. When he shouted, the voice of the seven thunders spoke. And when the seven thunders spoke, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven say, Sila, what the seven thunders have said, and do not write it down. You, you don't expect, uh, you know, seeing the size of the angel, it is only appropriate that we expect a loud shout. And it is not only a loud shout, it is also like the roar of a lion. So his very cry, his very sound, it reflects the power, majesty, and the authority of God. That's, that's the kind. And then he shouted, when he shouted, the voices of the seven thunders spoke. Now, before we come to the voices of the seven thunders spoke, he gave a loud shout like the roar of a lion. 
you know, when we go to the Old Testament in the prophetic books, God's voice is recorded as the roar of a lion. In Jeremiah chapter 25, 30, we read, now prophesy all these words against them and say to them, the Lord will roar from on high. He will thunder from his holy dwelling and roar mightily against his land. He will shout like those who tread the grapes, shout against all who live on the earth. So then we saw that, you know, he thunders. When he shouted, the voice, voices of the seven thunders spoke. The, the ancient people, they always realized that the Supreme God ruled like thunder. And his voice was also like thunder. They didn't have any problem. In fact, we have a reference uh, to thunder in the New Testament. In John chapter 12, 28 to 29, Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd that was there and heard it and said, it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. So God's voice, audible voice, when they heard, it was like a thunder. Now, we saw in Revelation uh, chapter 10, 3, 4, when he shouted, the voices of the seven thunders spoke. Now, this is something um, mysterious. It is deliberately mysterious because it clearly says in verse four, and when the seven thunders spoke, I was about to write. In fact, John heard what the seven thunders spoke. He heard that. That's the reason he wanted to write. But I heard a voice from heaven say, seal up what the seven thunders have said and do not write it down. And it's a very specific command to John. You know, it's a revelation from Jesus. It's about Jesus. You know, all the while, we, have, we didn't see a command like this, seal up. We didn't see that. This is the first time we are seeing seal up what the seven thunders have said and do not write it down. Something remains sealed, indicating that some mysteries must remain mysteries until the end. As Christians, as students of the Bible, we should accept there are certain mysteries which will remain as mysteries. God has not asked us to decode those things. There are people and the prophets who will come and try to explain the seven thunders, what the seven thunders spoke, and we are not here to follow them. When Bible is asking us to accept it as a mystery, in humility, we should accept it as mystery. Anytime we try to go against the grain of the Bible, against the instruction of the Bible, let's be very clear, we are going against God's instructions. Man's desire is to decode everything. 
but there will be always few things which will remain mysterious and it should remain as a mystery. There are many things God has revealed to us. You know, when people come and ask these questions, things which are mysterious, I said there are so many things God has revealed to us. Why don't we obey those things? Instead of trying to decode. In fact, we are trying to show we have far superior knowledge by trying to decode such mysterious things. And it's not that we'll get any right answer. It's the only thing that we will get wrong answers. We will get wrong answers and we will convince ourselves we have got the answer and a superior spiritual knowledge. Such superior spiritual knowledge is not from God. It is not at all from God. If it is not from God, it is from demons. We should accept mystery as mystery <clears throat> because uh, in Deuteronomy 29, 29, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belongs to us and to our children forever that we may follow all the words of this law. This should be our guiding verse. Things revealed, things which have been revealed, they belong to us and to our children forever that we may follow all the words of this law. <clears throat> because God is telling specifically, your voice came. Uh, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven say, seal up what the seven thunders have said and do not write it down. John is ready to take down notes. He's ready. He has kept everything ready. He wants to write down whatever he hears or he sees. <clears throat> in fact, in the, in the prophetic thing, one could, one could see visions and one could write down visions or one could write down the utterances as others were having those visions. So it was possible in the prophetic uh, tradition. Now, this is something dramatic. Just in these four verses, it is something dramatic. We saw a huge angel and one foot on the sea and the other foot on the land. And he was clothed with clouds and he had a rainbow over his head. Face was shining like sun and feet like fiery pillars. And then the voice from seven thunders, seven thunders spoke something and John heard it. There's no doubt about it. But John was specifically asked not to disclose, not to write it. He was asked to keep it as a secret. <clears throat> now, this is, not, uh, this is not the first time that's happening. If you remember, you know, in the, in the life of Paul, <clears throat> Paul says, I was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. And Paul did not write. He has just mentioned that things that no one is permitted to tell. And Paul did not disclose what he heard. 
In the same way, John is also not disclosing what he heard. And even in the book of Daniel, Daniel was asked not to disclose. In chapter 8, verse 26, the vision of the evenings and mornings that has been given you is true, but seal up the vision for it concerns the distant future. The future belongs to God and we should avoid unnecessary speculation. A good Bible student, a serious Bible student will not speculate on godly things. Speculation is not godly. Guesswork is not godly. You may guess, to write an answer in an exam, but guesswork when it comes to godly things is forbidden. It is forbidden. And then we see in Daniel 12, 9, he replied, go your way, Daniel, because the words are rolled up and sealed until the time of the end. There are some truths that God has chosen not to reveal, but God has revealed so much, so much he has revealed. There are only few things that he has chosen not to reveal. <clears throat> and, the and the words of seven thunders fall into that category. He has chosen not to reveal. And we should not try to break the code and try to figure out what could this mean? No, that's not a healthy way to study the scripture. And there are sometimes I hear sermons you know, people preach as though God came and revealed, uh, God appeared to them in dreams and he told them this and we are not here to accept those things. We should be very clear what the word of God says and we should follow the word of God. Just because somebody said, God appeared to me. God has specifically told John not to write and God is not going to tell somebody else what this means. We go to the next verses. <clears throat> this suggests that there are dimensions of reality that humans are not able to comprehend. It's, it's not even God does not want to disclose. Maybe we are not in a position to accept it. Because Paul says, I was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things. If God were to reveal those things, are we in a position to accept it? Are we in the frame of mind to comprehend it? Are our minds so saturated with the words of God we'll be able to understand? Or is our life so filled with the presence of God we will feel part of this inexpressible things. God knows our frailty. If God is not disclosing it because he understands our frailty and we might say, I know God, I can handle it. But God knows we cannot handle such inexpressible, inexpressible things. <clears throat> So we go to the next two verses, Revelation 10, 5 and 6. Then the angel I had seen standing on the sea and on the land raised his right hand to heaven. Imagine an angel, one foot on the sea and one foot on the land. And imagine his height, 
the rainbow's head, his face shining like sun, his feet like fiery pillars. Imagine an angel like that. And he soared by him who lives forever and ever, who created the heavens and all that is in them, the earth and all that is in it, and the sea and all that is in it, and said, there will be no more delay. Uh, some people feel it could be Jesus Christ, but definitely it is not Jesus Christ. Let's be 100% let's be sure it is not Jesus Christ, because in verse 1, if you read in the Greek Bible, then I saw another angel. Jesus is never classified in the category of angel. Then I saw another angel. So this angel is not Jesus Christ. And in the New Testament, Jesus Christ is nowhere portrayed as an angel. In the Old Testament, we come across the phrase, the angel of the Lord, but not in the New Testament. In the New Testament, Jesus Christ is never portrayed as an angel, and this can never be Jesus Christ. So if you are reading any commentary where they say it is Jesus Christ, it's absolutely wrong. You can be 100% sure, because it is talking about another mighty angel. Uh, in the Greek word, it clearly says it is another angel. Jesus is not angel. We have seen his throne. How glorious it is. In chapter 5, we have seen he's not an angel. And here the angel, he's soared by him. Uh, in other words, he's taking the oath. Uh, Jesus is God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So God, so he's not going to soar by him who lives forever and ever. In other basically what John is portraying is this angel, he soared by him who lives forever and ever, and his entire focus is there will be no more delay. There will be no more time has come. That has come and there will be uh, no more delay. Uh, in the Jewish literature as well as the Greek literature or in Greek culture, uh, we see that uh, people used to take this kind of oath to say that what I'm going to say is going to be truth and truth alone. So there will be no more delay. In other words, there'll be no more delay means There'll be no more time. There is no more time left. Things have to come to pass. It has to come to an end. In fact, we saw the martyrs, the souls of the martyrs. In chapter 6, we saw under the altar, they were crying out for vindication. And it is basically saying the time has come to vindicate them. The time has come to answer their cries and their prayers. And so this, there'll be no more delay means there's no more time left. Now, in Daniel chapter 12, 7, we saw the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river lifted his right hand and his left hand toward heaven. And I heard him swear by him who lives forever saying, it will be for a time, times and half a time, when the power of the holy people has been finally broken, all these things will be 
completed. Now, John here basically refers to Daniel chapter 12, uh, 7, where an angel lifted his hands towards heaven. And here also the angel, uh, he lifted his hand and he says he takes that oath in the name of one who lives forever and ever, who created the heavens and all that is in them, the earth and all that is in it, and the sea and all that is in it. Um, now, we go to the next verse, uh, Revelation chapter 10, verse 7. But in the days when the seventh angel is about to sound his trumpet, the seventh angel has not yet sounded his trumpet, where, but in the days when the seventh angel is about to sound his trumpet, the mystery of God will be accomplished. Just as he announced to his servants, the prophets, God's purpose will be accomplished. The mystery of God will be accomplished in the day, in the day of the Lord. In the day of the Lord, when the, when that is, both the all the Old Testament promises that we read, uh, both of judgment as well as restoration. Because whenever we read uh, the prophetic books, there is a judgment side by side. There is always a restoration. There is a sign of hope. You know, every prophetic book, book that's why they call it as remnant theology. There, there is always a remnant group because God will accomplish his purpose in the end. Here it says, the mystery of God will be accomplished. Um, though it has not been explained what the mystery is. Now, the, the only thing that we could say is the mystery of God is nothing but the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God has, has, has already come, but not yet come. That's how we understand the New Testament theology. The kingdom of God has already come, but not yet come. So that will come to consummation at this time. The mystery of God will be accomplished. Because when we read the Gospels, Mark chapter 4, 11, uh, he told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside, everything is said in parables. It remains a mystery to those. So this mystery will be accomplished at the, when this takes place. Now, a bitter message for the nations. I said, after the sixth seal, we had two comforting visions. Uh, that interlude was quite encouraging to believers and quite comforting. Now, here in the question, in the in the in the case of trumpet, it's a bitter nation message for the nations. Uh, basically, this account is based on Ezekiel, uh, chapter two, verse eight, to chapter three, verse three. If you have, when you find time, you go and read uh, Ezekiel chapter two, verse eight to Ezekiel chapter three, uh, verse three. Now, a hand is extended to Ezekiel, and that also uh, containing a scroll, 
and there also it was written on both sides uh, and there are three kinds of judgment. Ezekiel ate the scroll, if you know the story, it was very sweet in his mouth, but it was a message of judgment for Israel. And that's what's happening here. Revelation 10, 8, 9, then the voice that I heard from heaven spoke to me once more. Again, John hears a voice from heaven. Go, take the scroll that lies open in the hand of the angel who is standing on the sea and on the land. We have already seen one foot on the sea and one foot on the land. And this huge gigantic angel is holding a little scroll, a scroll that was opened in his hand. That's where it says, go take the scroll that lies open in the hand of the angel. So I went to the angel and asked him to give me the little scroll. He said to me, take it and eat it. It'll turn your stomach sore, but in your mouth it'll be as sweet as honey. Now, in the book of Proverbs, uh, I think we read that sin tasted sweet like honey, but was poisoned because it led to judgment. Uh, we are just trying to figure out. Because in Proverbs chapter 5, verses 3 to 4, it says, For the lips of the adulterous woman drip honey, and her smooth speech is smoother than oil, but in the end she is bitter as gall, sharp as a double-edged sword. But here it is not sin. Here it is the word of the Lord. Now, when it says, take it and eat it, it is not talking about what Proverbs chapter 5, 3 to 4, no, not at all. It's talking about the word of God. The word of God is sweet. But why it'll be sore in the stomach? Because it is the bitterness of the judgment. And John is expected to proclaim this judgment, this bitter judgment. So when the angel, when, when John heard the voice from heaven, so he goes to the angel and he asked for the scroll and the angel gave it and it said, take it and eat it. John also took the scroll, just like Ezekiel, he also did. Uh, this voice, probably the voice from heaven, could be voice of Jesus. Probably could be the voice of uh, Jesus. Uh, basically, uh, the message in, this, in these verses are, take it and eat it. Uh, it's, it's not literally, it's not take it and eat it. Basically, internalize the message. Once you internalize the message, you'll be able to proclaim the message. That's the meaning in this place. It's not that I want to find a paper and I'll write the verses and I'll eat it. It'll be sweet in my mouth. No, no, no. That's not the uh, meaning. The meaning is uh, as I eat, uh, it's basically internalizing. When we internalize the word of God, we are also in a way we are eating the scroll. 
when the word becomes a part of us, when you have internalized, there are a few verses probably we have internalized, not only memor mem memorization is something, internalization is something. When it becomes part of your system, so that's what's happening. But John has got a huge role. It is not just eating the scroll, but John has to declare this to peoples, nations, languages, and kings. So the missional responsibility of John is huge and tremendous. And that's the reason he had vision like this. He saw something inexpressible. He saw something glorious. And he was asked not to write because it is those visions which gives him the strength to go out, to write it down, to proclaim the message with authority and with confidence. So visions are not given to us to go and just publicize our name or to write in a, you know, to announce it in a YouTube so that there'll be several hits. That's not the purpose. The vision is basically to strengthen the inner man. The inner man is so strengthened, he goes out. He doesn't even have to say, I had a vision. He doesn't even have to say, God took me to heaven. No, the purpose of the vision is to go out and preach the message message to the peoples, message to the kings, nations, and languages. That's what we see in the next two verses. In 11, I took the little scroll from the angel's hand and ate it. As told, it tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth. But when I had eaten it, my stomach turned sore. Then I was told, you must prophesy again about me nations, languages, and kings. Many of us, we want spiritual experiences. Are we ready to go out, to step out? Sometimes we say, God, give me visions, give me dreams. What for? What for? Are we ready to leave our job? Are we ready to leave from, the, from our comfort zone and to go to your place where God wants us to go. Are we ready? That's the reason why God gives the spiritual experiences. The spiritual experiences are given not to feel that, you know, we are superior. Not to feel, oh, God is so pleased with me, so he has disclosed this message to me. Not at all. It is to accomplish his purpose. It is to do a task that is impossible for us to do. It is to do God's task, not only not our task, God's task. Those of us, we always, we desire for spiritual experiences. Let's ask a question. Today, if God asked me to leave this place and go somewhere, am I ready? Go to an but in a Muslim country, am I ready? Why am I asking for a spiritual experience? So that's what's happening in this place. Uh, it is, it's basically like uh, eating means, it's like, you know, in the modern language, devouring a book. I devoured that book. But that book was so great, I just devoured it. It's, it's something like that. The message that came to John, he just devoured it. He internalized 
that uh, message. Uh, God's message is always sweet. Even if it speaks of judgment, any message we get from God is always uh, sweet. Uh, basically, it's all about God's sovereignty. You must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, languages, and kings. So when, when John's audience, when they read this message, they knew their God is a God who rules over all the nations, peoples, languages, and kings. So they were excited when they heard uh, messages like this. Uh, so what are the lessons? Uh, we have come to the end of the uh, end of chapter 10. So what are the lessons we can learn in 21st century? What are the lessons we can learn from this chapter? We saw a mighty angel with a little scroll, and we also saw seven thunders spoke, but there was a voice from heaven which clearly said, do not write, seal it up, seal it up. And then we saw the bitter message to the nations. The, John was asked to go and eat the scroll. He went and ate the scroll. It was sweet in his mouth, but it was bitter in his stomach. It was not poisonous but it was bitter. So what are the lessons we can learn from this chapter? The first lesson is God rules all superhuman and supernatural forces. The angel was so gigantic. Just the description, you know, one foot on the sea, one foot on the land, reaching up to the heavens, a rainbow over his head, clothed with cloud, feet like fiery pillars, face like shining like sun. So the awesomeness of the angel, but this angel was obedient to God's voice. This angel obeyed God's voice. So that's why the first thing we understand is God rules all superhuman and supernatural forces. The greater the description of the angel, the description of God will be still greater than that. If angel can be described like this, God cannot be described because he's still greater than the angel. So the Bible constantly reminds us that everything, including COVID-19, is under God's control. God is seated on the throne. God knows everything. He knows every single atom in your body. Our children's church, uh, they used to sing, every single cell in my body is happy because every single cell is under the control of our God. So God rules all, when we see about the angel itself, our God is greater than the angel. So how glorious is our God. The second lesson that we learn is the thunders reveal that some matters are not yet ours to know. As I told you earlier, there are certain mysteries. Hidden things belong to God alone. People have written several books and they have gone totally wrong. 
there are certain things in the book of Revelation, and this is one such thing, one such thing that the voice of the seven thunders, or the message from the seven thunders, is a secret. It's a mystery. And let it remain as a mystery. Our humility, if we are humble people, we will accept it. Just that curiosity, the Eve had the curiosity. That curiosity is, is our default mode. When we try to sneak into areas where God has asked not to go, we are no better than Eve. Let's be careful. Let's not fall into prey that what people speak, they say, God has revealed this to me. No, not at all. There are certain mysteries we will not know. If we get to know everything, then we are God. God is God. There are certain things that belong to God. We, there is no need for us to know the details. If you we, if we only know that God is the author of my life, I don't, there's no need for me to know the details. We say, no, I know who holds my future. We don't have to have the details because it is in the safer hands. So there are certain mysteries. We should not try to decode those mysteries. The thunders reveal that some matters are not yet ours to know. Now, the third lesson that we can learn is the promise of no more delay reminds us that though we must wait now, delay will not last forever. When the time comes, in his time, in his time, everything will come to an end. We don't have to speculate. God has not put us in the business of speculation, but God has placed us here to trust in him in all that we do. We might think there is a delay. We don't have to sit and calculate, oh, this has happened, this has happened, so God will come tomorrow. No, that's not our business. Jesus said even the Son of Man does not know. That's the humility, the Son of God. He says even the Son of God does not know that day and time. That's the humility of Jesus. Are we bigger than Jesus? So we must uh, accept this. The promise of no more delay reminds us, though we must wait now, delay will not last. This end will come. When? How? God knows that. God knows that. Revelation is not a book of speculation. Revelation is a book that gives us confidence, that gives us hope, because we saw in chapter one itself, I hold the keys of death and hates. We know who controls this earth. He is seated on the throne. The last lesson, we should follow John's example, obeying even when the message we are called proclaim proves bitter or does not make sense to us. Let me qualify the statement. There are people in the present day churches, uh, they come and they tell, 
Pastor, God told me to tell you this. I don't think God will tell somebody else if he has a message for me. No, God can speak to me. This is not the message. This is not, we should follow John's example, obeying even when the message we are called to proclaim proves bitter or does not make sense to us. There are people who go and tell others, God told me that you should marry so-and-so. God is not going to do that kind of work. When somebody says, God told me that you should do this, you say, thank you so much. I'll ask my God, let God speak to me. Let your relationship with God be so direct that if there is a message for you, God will speak to you. And if God is telling you something that is bad about somebody, your business is not to go and tell others that message, but to kneel down and pray for that person. If there is a message for me, God will speak to me. Why should God speak through somebody else? Is my relationship with my father is so poor that somebody else has to come? I am his child. We are his children. And if there is a message for us, God will speak to us. What the message here is the kingdom of God message. It is not the personal messages. Kingdom of God. We should follow John's example, obeying even when the message we are called to proclaim proves bitter and does not make sense to us. It is all about the purpose of the kingdom of God, not about whom you should marry, whose house you should buy. That's not the kind of message that's talking about. It's the kingdom message, and God is interested in fulfilling the kingdom work uh, even through us. So I have completed this chapter. Uh, if you have any questions, you can ask now. I'm so glad because I presume that Things are clear. Uh, that's, there could be two reasons when there are no questions in the classroom. Either the lesson has been so clear or it didn't make any sense at all. Uh, so I presume the first one, uh, the chapter was so clear, we have no questions. If there are any questions, you can still ask. Otherwise, we'll close the session. Well, you can unmute yourself and you can ask questions. Yes, Roshan, you have a question? Pastor 10 7, it said in the days, right? Like uh, it begins like that. Uh, does it mean a very long period of time when these trumpets are? Uh... Uh, we will uh, come to that, Roshan, because when we come there, uh, it's talking about 42 months. Okay, Pastor. When we come to that uh, next chapter, it will talk about 42 months. It is three years, three and a half years. Okay, okay, Pastor. So we'll come to that. The visions seem like it's happening in one go, but this kind of... Uh, but I'll wait for it when we come there, Pastor. Okay.
you are talking about, but in the days when the seventh angel is about to sound the trumpet, I said the seventh angel will sound the trumpet in chapter 11, verse 15. Yeah. So in between, these visions are there. Oh, okay, Pastor. So the first six happen in one day or something, and then there's a gap. We, 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 we cannot fix 24 hours. But no, definitely, there's no clock in heaven. There is no clock in heaven. Yes, Pastor. Uh, the kind of clock we have, God does not have clock. Yeah, uh, it's it's interesting. In eternity, the time itself will be lost. Okay, best. Because if there is a time, we'll keep counting. <laughs> okay, yeah. one day, two day. I've come to heaven. Now I've completed one year. So this is first anniversary, second, and no, no, nothing like that. Because the concept of time is not there. Okay, best. Okay, we'll wait and see. Yes, Pastor. Okay. Anybody else? Okay. We'll read this as our closing prayer. Uh, we have already seen this uh, verse, Revelation chapter 7, verse 12. Let's all read it together. Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Glorious Father, we thank you for this time, O oh Lord. Whatever we have studied, I pray, Lord, we'll be able to internalize this message. O oh Lord, help us to stand in awe of you, to know you more and more, O oh God. You're greater than any angel. You're greater than the greater, this angel that we saw in this chapter, O oh Lord. O oh God, you are seated on the throne and everything is under your control. You reign over all the nations. You reign over our lives. And that gives us hope, that gives us confidence, and that gives us assurance that Lord, in the, though we live in the midst of uncertainties, oh God, you are there. We bless your name. We especially pray for Sister Cynthia who is in the hospital, oh Lord. We pray your healing virtues will flow through her body. Her fever will become normal. She'll recover. We pray for Pastor Sani and Sister Sunita and Stuti as they're suffering from fever. They're much better today. We pray, Lord, that recovery will be complete. If anyone else is suffering in this community, we remember them, O oh Lord. In, in these days of uncertainty, O oh God, we look to you for health, healing, strength, and blessing. Bless each one of us, O oh Lord. You are a God of blessing. You bless us. And Lord, we pray you will bless us with your presence. Creating us a hunger and thirst to know you more and more. Be with us, O oh Lord. Bless all of us with a good night's rest. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, unfailing love of our Heavenly Father, and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit remain with each one of us now and forevermore. Amen. <laughs>